Today, Jack, the show is all about you. You're in full control. It's about your favourite area, cap space. So, mate, that's me done. This is all about you. Go. First of all, hello to Jack. Good morning, Jack. Let's talk to Jack Duffin. Let's bring in Jack Duffin. In our Westminster studio is Jack Duffin. Welcome back to the Jack Duffin Cap Show, live and exclusive on the Paul Brown Podcast Network. And today we're going to be discussing tight ends as I go through position by position. But first, I'm going to do a little bit of a talk on running back. Because some people have been telling me my takes are a bit hot, maybe they're a bit too bold. So um, let's just look at the Steelers. We played them yesterday. Um, I told everyone... Before this week, make sure you've got Connor if you're in fantasy. He's going to be just as good as Bell. You won't notice the difference. And I saw something very interesting yesterday evening put on Twitter. Marcus Mosier, um, definitely worth a follow on Twitter, had uh, quote tweeted it. And it was just the figures in the last three seasons plus one game of Bell versus Bell's primary backup when Bell's not been there. So, Bell's played 33 games. The primary backups had 16. So, if we look at the numbers, and it's just broken down, rushing per game, attempts, Bell's had 21.1, backups had 20.1, so basically the same. Yards, Bell got 94.4, and the backup got 84.8. So, 10 yards difference, so half a yard per rush, Um and TDs, Bell got 0.58, and the backup got twice as many with 1.06. Well, it's not quite twice as many, but basically twice as many. Receiving yards per game, Bell had 5.6 receptions, the backup had 3.4. Um, Bell got 42.6 yards, the backup got 30 yards. TDs, basically the same, 0 0.12, 0 0.13. Um, and that that is just the evidence there that why would you pay a running back 17 million a year when you can pay a backup 1 million a year or less and you're getting the same production and that's because it comes back to the same old thing the quality of the running back is all about the offensive line if you want a better running back pay better offensive linemen and we saw that with the browns we've got three fantastic running backs but the o line wasn't working is it because you've got a new line on the sides and it's taking time to get together? Was it because you've got a rookie at left tackle? I don't know. I need to sit there and rewatch the game a couple of times to get a better feel for that. But the fact of the matter is, don't pay a running back. And we saw it with Barkley yesterday. Everyone will be going crazy because he got a, I think it was 68-yard touchdown run. But if you take out that one play and look at the rest of it, he was averaging two yards a run. And that's just not good enough because... He is irrelevant, completely irrelevant. Yes, he might make a difference in the receiving game, but in the running game, two yards a rush, that's pathetic. And it's got nothing to do with anything to do with Barkley. His O-line's not good enough, and that's where the fact stops. So that's just a bit of explanation, guys, on what sounds like crazy takes from me aren't so crazy when you start looking at some of the numbers behind them. But running backs, get them cheap, get them often, 
and just don't pay him. The one exception is a receiving back. So I don't mind paying Duke Johnson. I think that was a good decision because receiving back, he's got a few more years left in the tank and let's get the most out of him. But we need to use him more as that receiving back, especially when Tyrod doesn't thro like throwing the ball long. Break Duke out the backfield and throw him the ball. So the theme of this episode, and it's the penultimate one on offense, is tight ends. I'll be doing O-line next week. So tight ends, and a focus this, got sort of three different types of tight ends. You've got your blocking tight ends, your Darren Fells, um, play in line, but uh, they do a slightly different job. Of They're there just a, it's almost like a sixth offensive lineman. Um, you've got your inline tight end, which starts in the three-point stance, usually either side of the uh, O-line, and then will block, probably knock a defensive end off, and then after that, you'll see them run down the field and make a play. So um, a good example of that would be your Gronkowskis and people like that, and Joku can do that, can play in line. And then you've got what's called a move tight end, and they're basically just oversized slot receivers. You don't expect them to do any blocking. Um, they're there just to make catches. They play in the slot. They might play out in the backfield. And if anyone stayed up late last night and watched the Packers-Bears um, game, you saw Trey Burton do a lot of this, um, was out in the backfield. He's very much a move tight end. Evan Ingram was a fantastic example last season. Picked him up in fantasy when they lost a few of their options. And... He was basically just a receiver for the whole season. And who else you got? DeValve on our roster is very much a move tight end. You've got Zach Hertz, um, as we saw in Hard Knocks, with uh, Michael Kendricks explaining that he doesn't like blocking. He's there as basically a wide receiver. Um, so that's the options. And you had Hard Knocks' uh, darling, Devin Caduce, turned into very much of a move tight end. He was formerly a wide receiver and made the move to sort of come inside, wasn't very good at blocking, very much move tight end rather than in line. And they've all got their different benefits. Um, so who are we paying as the Browns to be our tight ends? You've got Darren Fells on 3.6 million, which is just over 2%. Njoku at 2.164, um, 851 mil, which is 1.2%. And Seth Deval on 700 25,235 at 0.41 and you've got Austin Charles at 630k which is 0.36 and you've got McKeva who's on the practice squad is 1.29 200,000 um, and that comes in at 0.07% so across the, f the four players plus the practice squad one that's about 4% of the salary cap just over 4.1. Me, I'm sitting my target at 8%. And the main reason I'm sitting at 8% is because, as I talked in the last episode, the top of the tight end market is half of the top of the wide receiver market. So rather than looking for an elite wide receiver, I would only look at elite tight ends. Don't pay the top of the wide receiver market. They're good, but they're not worth the money. When you can have a Gronk and a Kelsey or one OBJ... I'm having the Gronk and the Kelsey all day long. So I would focus on spending nearly 8% on your three tight ends versus your 11% on your wide receivers. means you're spending basically the same amount of money once you take a couple of cheapies off the end. So 
tight end is where the magic is made. There's some metrics out there that say the teams with the top tight ends are the teams that most consistently win and get to the playoffs. And those with the top wide receivers, there isn't that same measure. Obviously, there's going to be exceptions either side, but there's definitely some evidence that says out there that get them top tight ends. And for me, I think Njoku's going to be the best tight end in the game. Uh, in two about two years' time, when Gronk retires, I think he's going to be the one. Um, didn't have a great game uh, yesterday, but hey, it's only one game. Let's not uh, get too carried away on that front. In terms of drafting, where do you draft them? So I said never touch a wide receiver in round one. It's not worth it because if they come the player you want them to become, you don't want to pay them that much anyway. So for an inline tight end, I'd go as early as round one. Anytime you can get one, grab them. I think they're incredibly valuable. Um, it'd be really useful going forward that if we could have an Injoku line up just to the left of Desmond Harrison at left tackle, have that first block, get in the way of whatever the main uh, defensive end coming at him is, just one block and then go. Because that means when he's off running down the field, that defensive end is going to be slightly later getting to Baker or Tyrod. And that, that extra second can make the world of difference for throwing a pass. And Njoku can do it. Njoku can block and then run. So um, get him to do that. And he's also incredibly... Talented. If you wanted to just move him out there and use him as a move tight end, I'd be perfectly happy to do that as well. In terms of your move tight ends, I wouldn't go in the first round. I don't think they're that important because they're basically just oversized, extra-athletic slot receivers. So for me, the dream was, and I'm gutted we didn't get him in the draft, was Mike Gusecki. I'd much rather, over the um, Austin Corbett pick, over the Chubb pick, at the time I was saying there was three players on the board that I was clamouring for. There were Harold Landry at defensive end, Mike Gusecki at tight end, and at cornerback Josh Jackson. Any of them three I'd have been over the moon with, and instead we got a backup guard and a running back. And let's not go back on running backs, but we could have made so much better picks. I think Dorsey did a phenomenal job in round one. I think his work in round four and onwards was quite promising, and there were some risky moves late on, but... Why not take a punt once you get to the second half of day three? There's not that much talent there. I thought in rounds two and three, he didn't do a good job at all. Then first three picks on day two were poor, but let's not go over that again. And in terms of a blocking tight end, I thought this was potentially one of the best moves um, Dorsey made during free agency. You go out and sign them. Never draft a blocking tight end because... College offences, they don't learn it, they don't develop it. And when you can go out there and get one of the top blocking tight ends in the league, the Darren Fells, for 2% of his salary cap, and we probably overpaid slightly, giving him 3.6 million, but I don't mind. It's very, very cheap to not have to worry about the position. It's It gives you options. He can go out there and he can make plays consistently. So never, during the draft, look for a blocking tight end. Let other teams develop them. See in the league who becomes one, and then just use a bit of free agency capital and go out and grab them. And I think Fells will be here for a, a, quite a long time with the team. He's solid, and I'm looking forward to it. So when you're looking across this roster, there's a lot of promise in that room. Fells, 
is at the higher end of a blocking tight end market. Njoku, I think, will be phenomenal. Devastated we didn't get Gusecki. And for me, I'd be looking at, you drop one of them wide receivers. So if you took Willies off the roster and you had Mike Gusecki instead, we'd be in a much better space because Njoku and Gusecki tearing the field up across the mid middle. They're both big. You'd really want to probably put two linebackers on each of them because they're going to cause that much of a problem. Um, and it's the simple passes. You've got Baker and Tyrod have both got a long history. They love throwing at the tight end. So if you can have two incredibly gifted, physically tight ends that can get separation, but once they get the ball, and that's the difference, you want your wide receivers and other people, once they get the ball, to do something special with it. And the likes of Njoku, the likes of Gaseki can really do that. So get another one of them. I'd love to see us add another one in the draft next year if there's one available. Or even, we've got a nice cheap room there. If a decent, high-quality tight end became available next year, I don't know who's in free agency, I'll look at that, nearer the end of the season, then I'd go out and I'd make that a punt because you might see something special and I'd much rather, on the internals of the field, I want your Njoku, I want your Duke Johnson. Those are the people I want doing the special plays across the centre of the field. But no, thank you very much for listening. The reason why I'm back on a Monday, one day we'll eventually get to a Tuesday show, is because Paul is having too much fun over in the States. He's been in Vegas, he's gone off to Boston today, so he'll be back tomorrow hopefully with a show with a fan from either Vegas or Boston, maybe, maybe one from each. But uh, we'll find out what's going on. And um, thank you very much for listening. Keep the fan questions coming. I know some of you said the takes are too hot. Let me know what part was too hot or what you agreed with, what you didn't agree with. Because I'd love to sit here and go into more explanation, chat about why I'm saying certain things. So I'll be back with the O-line next week as we wrap up the offence. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic rest of the week. Game week one's out the way. The Browns are still undefeated. Super Bowl is coming, baby. Let's go. Yeah.